There's a soybean pest limiting yields or hurting returns, and it's likely on most fields. What's a grower to do? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. The soybean cyst nematode is an insidious creature that feeds on the roots of crop plants, limiting their ability to pull in nutrients, limiting yields, or in some cases causing more severe damage. Pioneer conducted a survey of 600 farmers to learn more about what they're facing with this pest. We wanted to know more, so we connected with Mary Gums, agronomy science manager at Pioneer, who was involved with that study and others looking at the pest. The discussion centers on tactics for dealing with this pest, how to test fields to determine the level of infestation and why testing is important, and even plans for maximizing resistant varieties to keep nematode pressures down. In that study, nearly half of the respondents say they have medium to high soybean cyst nematode pressure. It's a destructive pest, and this conversation covers a lot of territory. Well, Mary Gums, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So we're talking about uh, a topic I think some farmers don't want to talk about or some farmers admit they have, but they don't want to, they're dealing with it, but they don't, or they do know and they are dealing with it. We're talking about soybean cyst nematode. How do do you look at that from your perspective at Corteva? Well, Willie, honestly, I look at this as as a problem virtually everyone has. And our results have been pretty, um, pretty, pretty constant. Uh, whether we're doing actual sampling out in soybean fields, we end up with about 80% of, uh, of fields that we sample showing uh, some level of cis nematode pressure. And when we've uh, surveyed farmers as well, um, asking them to assess how much uh, cis nematode pressure they have, they're right around that 80% mark too that say that they do have some some level of the problem. It's found in every uh, soybean growing state in the United States. And uh, and so it's really it's it's an issue that uh, people pr- should probably assume that they have rather than assume that they don't have it. Yeah, but and it gets complicated, right? I mean, uh, people may have the problem. Does the amount or the level impact the uh, the the yield on the farm? I mean, can I have a a minimal population and not really see anything, or how does that work? Yes, that that can happen quite easily. So you may have a a, a background level that's uh, below a threshold that it's it's causing some yield loss, but or, or I should say causing some stress on the plant, but you're not seeing that as yield loss. Um, all the way up to infestations that have uh, visual stunting and yellowing of the field, and a significant yield decrease. It's interesting because I think sometimes we we get into the situation where you have a, far- a conversation with a farmer and it's like, I just can't seem to get above 60 bushels an acre. And there may be a background level of soybean systematode they don't even know they have, right? Yep, absolutely. And it could be that um, somebody was managing for systematode that they were using a, a, a variety that has a very common source of resistance that we call PI-88788. We've got populations of nematodes, especially in the central corn belt, that can overcome that resistant source. In those cases, uh, farmers should should rotate with a Peking source resistance uh, variety. Uh, your, your agronomist or pioneer rep would be able to tell you what the resistant source is in your variety. Um, there's also options such as, such as uh, Ilevo HL, 
seed treatment that that helps to control a cyst nematode as well. So it could be that somebody had 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 done some level of cyst nematode management, but this is a pest that's been around for nearly 30 years now. Um, so it could be that they need to change to to different control options. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about uh, PI88788 in a minute. I mean, one of the other nice tricks you can use is just to rotate to corn, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So a, a corn soybean rotation is going to give you significant benefits over over a, a, just a continuous soybean rotation. Um, and continuous soybean rot if you if if the economics on your farm are such that it's favorable for you to do a continuous soybean rotation, you need to assume that soybean cyst nematode is going to be your major agronomic problem. And, and really, that should be your first thought right after weed control of how am I going to control this pest. And when I talk to nematologists, and you know them by name, but I won't name them here, mm -hmm. but when I talk to them, they cringe at the phrase continuous soybeans. Um, exactly. I mean, that's an issue. But the other side of it is uh, the level of soybean cyst nematode is reduced with with a corn soybean rotation. But going to corn more than two years, the, the baseline population of cyst nematode doesn't get much lower. Isn't that right? I mean, you can knock it way down with a corn soybean. And if you go two years of corn before you go back to beans, you've knocked it pretty far down. But it's just never really gone, is it? Right, exactly. So, so you have the these eggs in the soil, and they don't all hatch every year. So you can have cyst nematode that remains dormant in your soil for several years. So even if you go two years of a of a corn rotation, really you're getting that that the most significant benefit just from breaking up the rotation at least one year. Right. And before I get back to the resistance comment, that yeah, there's something I mean, I was looking at the report that you were involved with it uh, for Pioneer, and that is that winter annual control is also an issue um, that there are certain weeds that stay alive for the winter that are great harbors for soybean cyst nematode, right? Yes. Uh, purple dead nettle and henbit in particular. If your soybean field is purple in the spring, assume that you have a, a little bit worse uh, soybean uh, cyst nematode problem that, than you would have had if that field was clean. So it's pretty, but not a good news, I'm thinking. Exactly. <laughs> well, as we look at PI88788, I mean, there is some discussion that there are the how that expresses in the individual varieties is as important as the the fact that soybean cyst nematode is overcoming it because there's work that's been shown that PI88788 will fail if but sometimes the expression of it's higher in some varieties than in others and there it seems to do still seems to repel soybean cyst nematode isn't that correct although that's hard to quantify as well Yes, it's very hard to quantify. It's one of those things, though, that by, by talking to your agronomist or your, your pioneer sales rep or, or a, a specialist in the field, you can really uh, get some observations on which varieties um, are, are, are just better in, in cyst nematode pressure, even if they are still the, the 88788 resistant source. Because there are some that still tend to work. And now we throw Peking into the mix, which is a different mode of, mode of action. But you still want to rotate, right? I mean, I, I've heard a comment from someone who said they were talking to a farmer and the guy says, yep, I'm I'm really hitting them soybean system until it's hard. I'm going to be using Peking all the time. I mean, that doesn't seem like right to me. No, you need to think of Peking as 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 like a herbicide mode of action that we that we need to steward. So or in, in the same way you think of your herbicide modes of action. 
so rotating between Peking and 88788 is, is, a, is a, a great way to steward that trait. And again, I'm saying rotate those on your years of soybean rotation. So you also have a corn rotation in there. So ideally you would be doing, say, Peking, corn, 88788, corn, Peking, corn, and, and, and so on. And in fact, there's been some university research as well that, that shows that that knocks back uh, cis nematode populations and also preserves yield to, to be doing that uh, that rotation between resistant sources and between a non-host and, and throwing that non-host crop there. Well, that's true. And I think that that's a, a, an interesting tactic and one that this concept of always hitting the easy button. I mean, we like easy buttons in agriculture, but we just can't use this mode of action the same way over and over. Right, exactly. And, and that's why also bringing in those other tools, like you mentioned with the, having good control of your winter annuals, and then also using something like Ilevo HL, our, our seed, uh, seed treatment, um, that really gives good protection against uh, cis nematode. Um, we've in, in pioneer, uh, plots, we found that, uh, we can add about a bushel and a half yield benefit in fields with lower cis nematode pressure. And we've actually seen up to six bushels per acre in fields with high cis nematode pressure. So that, that's always a question about a seed treatment you put on a planting. How long is Ilevo active in the soil? I know it's got a biological kind of approach, right? I mean, talk to me about that mode of action. What it's going to do is it, it'll be most effective in the early part of the season, which okay. is when you have a, a smaller root mass that's more vulnerable to, to feeding from the nematodes. Oh. Um, and and, and it, so it kind of protects it at that critical time so that it can develop root mass um, move through the soil. I mean, these these nematodes aren't moving hundreds of feet through the soil. They're, they're, they're moving maybe an inch, if that, probably yeah. a lot less. So as you get your, your your roots expanding down into the soil, you get some protection just from that greater uh, greater uh, surface area and, and volume. Well, no, and I've heard great things about Ilevo. I mean, the farmers that use it, the research I've seen, if you're using a seed treatment, it it shouldn't, you know, if, and you've got soybean cyst nematode, which as you found, most everybody does. They should be considering uh, how their seed treatment package plays into soybean cyst nematode control. Absolutely. Anything, anything that you, when you were doing all the research, anything that surprised you when you were looking at this data, especially from 2021? I think that one of the things that surprised us is that those, the, 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 Amount of the excuse me, the the percentage of fields that have been um, infected have have stayed pretty constant. Um, so once you have cis nematode in a field, it's a problem that that you have from here on out. It's not something that's highly variable and is going to go away. If you've managed to keep it out in of a field, you, you've been really lucky. Um, and keep doing what you're doing as far as uh, keeping your equipment clean and things like that. I tend to suspect that people who do a cis nematode test and find no infestation um, maybe sampled sampled in a in a good area of the field. And if you <laughs> took a few other samples from that field, you're probably going to find it. Well, and that that's a good question. How what's the best way to tackle the soy, soybean cis nematode sample? Because I, I, you hear comments of guys say, well, I got the problem. I don't really need to test for it. But actually, isn't that a good management tool to know what the level of the problem is? It really is. And, and I know the SCN Coalition has a big campaign about know your numbers. 
And and so, yes, testing, I, you, you don't necessarily have to test every year for cyst nematode, but I'd say probably about every five years or so. Uh, best way to, to uh, do this is actually to go in just prior to harvest, um, just for, for kind of ease of walking. Um, go in uh, prior to harvest when, you know, the, the, the beans are, the, the leaves are, are mature and, and it's a little easier to walk through. Um, and certainly before you've had a hard frost. Uh, so you've had a chance for those levels to build up during the summer so that you're not getting an artificially low level. Um, but go out there and and do get a composite sample from the field, um, similar to how you would take a take a, 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 a soil nutrient test and send that composite in to to an accredited lab. We've got a lot of great labs at all of our our land grant universities. Um, Evergreen Nematode out of Arizona does an excellent job. Um, so just the, the send it to the lab that you feel comfortable with. And when you take the sample, the most important thing is to keep the sample from drying out. So unless you're doing an HG type test, it's not quite as important to, to keep it cold and overnight it to the lab, but make sure you put it in a Ziploc bag so that it, it, it doesn't desiccate. You can count uh, dead nematodes, but not disintegrated nematodes. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the paper lunch bag is not gonna work. Ziploc's always your best Correct. friend. Right, even the, even, even the, I wouldn't use a, uh, like the traditional soil sample bags, I would put it in, in a Ziploc and, and like a freezer bag and, dub, and uh, double bag it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's not about preserving not oxygen for the nematode, it's about preserving the nematode carcass. Yes. Okay, I want to be clear on that because that <laughs> sounds weird, but it's important. They're little tiny things, they're hard to see, um, except you see the nodules exactly. on the roots. I mean, you can pull a root and see you've got a problem with nodules, but that's not going to give you a count. So absolutely. Right. Um, you said that these have been around for 30 years. I feel like um, we should know more than we do, but obviously we or have more choices for a resistance because isn't it true that Pioneer is pretty much the leader in Peking availability? Uh, re we really are. Um, Peking is a little bit tougher trait to work with because more genes are involved, um, but our soybean breeders have had great success with with putting Peking uh, into more varieties and, and they're good varieties. I think... Uh, if you go back to like say 2000, 2005, uh, people kind of rolled their eyes at having to plant a, a Peking variety. And now a lot of our Peking varieties are, are some of our very best yielding varieties in their, in their maturity zones. So, so you, you have the option of picking a bean that is well suited to your farm agronomically and happens to be Peking rather than just taking whatever Peking you can get. Well, that's cool. And there's work being done, too, on more traits or more resistance traits, right? Are, are you aware of what those what those areas are? Uh, yes, we're, we're doing a lot of work in in more uh, soybean cyst nematode traits. Um, nothing I can really go into on your podcast, I'm afraid, but hopefully uh, in in the near future, uh, we'll be talking more about that and and talking more to our soybean breeders about that as well. So the good news is there's more science involved with this coming forward and we'll have more choices in the in the next few years, right? Yes, we will. Good. Well, that's good. I'm not going to ask you to unload any secrets on us today, Mary, but <laughs> I'm aware of some of the work that's being done. But, yeah, it's, it's still not all public. So it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves. But it's what it says is, though, that there's a significant problem out there that's worth investing in R&D money, right? 
Absolutely, and it's something that is really at the forefront of the minds of our of our soybean breeders. Um, I talk with our, our soybean team quite a bit about what's going on, not just with cis nematode, but also just our needs for, for, for products and, and our needs for uh, uh, insect and disease resistance quite a bit. And and they're thinking about cis nematode an awful lot and, and really how to continue to be able to defend against this pest in the future. Um, so they're they're looking actively at ways of how to preserve our, our current technologies and also bringing those new technologies online. Well, good. Well, we wish them a lot of luck and we appreciate your time today. Mary Gums from Pioneer, thanks for talking to me today about a problem that many soybean growers probably know they have and uh, are having going to have to deal with, and that is soybean cyst nematode. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. There are a range of pests and diseases that hammer at the yield potential for soybeans. The soybean cyst nematode remains widespread and persistent, which is why a strategy for control and resistance management makes sense. Gums was also involved in an agronomic study in 2021 where 27% of fields sampled had nematode population levels capable of causing heavy to severe crop damage. Knowing the level of infestation you're dealing with is an important starting point in managing this persistent pest. Thanks to Mary Gums for her insight on this topic. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. And if you have a smart speaker, all you have to do is tell it to listen to Around Farm Progress and you'll hear our latest episode. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as farm futures, beef, National Hog Farmer and Feedstuffs, and our events including the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and the New York Farm Show. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening. <music>